are Hope Church Guildford. This is a recent recording from our Sunday morning gathering online. Please go to www.hopechurchguildford.com for more details. We look forward to getting to know you. Hello and welcome to Hope Church. My name's Chris and I get the pleasure of serving in the church by leading our leadership team. Before we get into Daniel chapter 9, I just want to ask you, how do you view prayer? How do you view prayer? Is it something you're excited about and look forward to on a regular basis? Or is it something that perhaps feels like a duty and that you maybe come to when you're in need or you you require something? In um, the series that we've been going through, it's called Faith in a Real World. We've been seeing all about Daniel, this man of great faith who could stand up for all sorts of different things. And we've been, we're going to find out today how he has, is going on a real journey of prayer. And prayer is a real key part of, of his life and, and how he is able to really have faith in the world that he lives in and the context that he's in. And that's the title for today's talk, A Journey of Prayer. We live in a society which is very task and goal orientated. Uh, things like our work and our jobs, what we do is based on getting to the end of that list and ticking it off and feeling good about ourselves. You know, even you can view life's events. Like we have lots of parents in our church where their children have grown up and uh, flown the le- nest. And you could think, yes, um, tick, job done. But when you look back on those events, sometimes it could be tinged with sadness that moment when they leave and that is because it was all about the journey. The journey, the the highs and lows of seeing them grow and having fun times and and tough times is all part of the journey. You know God is more interested in our journeys of prayer than in the, the goals of a prayer life like in terms of seeing something be ticked off at the healing come or the the thing being received actually he's much more interested in the journey and it'd be easy for our prayer lives to become task-based prayers when we need something we pray certainly you know it's good for us to pray certainly for things like healing and, and lots of other things and yet God is more interested in the seeing people go day by day, seeking him, searching him and, and building that relationship with him, that brings lots of joy to God as he journeys in the car with us on this journey of faith. When we view prayer in that way, then we miss out on a whole realm of relationship that we can enjoy with God. You know, Daniel, he had faith in the real world and he was able to stand up and speak out about all sorts of injustice that he saw. Certainly the captivity of his nation was a a big one. He was able to stand up when he saw things wrong going on in his world. He, He loved God and stood for him and didn't bow down to the pressures of this world. And it was all based on this relationship that he had with God built out of prayer. He was a man of prayer and he was effective in the world because of this journey that he'd been on. Prayer is like living life in conversation with God. That's how we should view it. That's our definition for today. Daniel, 
He looks on at the captivity of his people. He looks at the oppression they're facing. He looks at the injustice that's going on in his nation. He sees the horrendous ways in which his people are treated and he gets onto his knees and he prays before the living God. And we're going to hear that prayer now from Pam. She's going to be read from reading from Daniel chapter 9. In the first year of Darius, son of Xerxes, a Mede by descent, who was made ruler over the Babylonian kingdom, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood from the scriptures, according to the word of the Lord given to Jeremiah the prophet, that the desolation of Jerusalem would last 70 years. So I turned to the Lord God and pleaded with him in prayer and petition, in fasting and in sackcloth and ashes. I prayed to the Lord my God, and confessed. O Lord, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love with all who love him and obey his commands, we have sinned and done wrong. We have been wicked and have rebelled. We have turned away from your commands and laws. We have not listened to your servants, the prophets, who spoke in your name to our kings, our princes and our fathers, and to all the people of the land. Lord, you are righteous. But this day we are covered with shame. The men of Judah and people of Jerusalem and all Israel, both near and far, in all the countries where you have scattered us because of our unfaithfulness to you, O Lord, we and our kings, our princes and our fathers, are covered with shame because we have sinned against you. The Lord our God is merciful and forgiving. Even though we have rebelled against him, we have not obeyed the Lord our God or kept the laws he gave us through his servants, the prophets. All Israel has transgressed your law and turned away, refusing to obey you. Therefore, the curses and sworn judgments written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, have been poured out on us. Because we have sinned against you, you have fulfilled the words spoken against us and against our rulers by bringing upon us great disaster. Under the whole heaven, nothing has ever been done like what has been done to Jerusalem. Just as it is written in the law of Moses, all this disaster has come upon us, yet we have not sought the favour of the Lord our God by turning from our sins and giving attention to your truth. The Lord did not hesitate to bring the disaster upon us, but the Lord our God is righteous in everything he does, yet we have not obeyed him. Now, O Lord our God, who brought your people out of Egypt with a mighty hand and who made yourself a name that endures to this day, we have sinned, we have done wrong. O Lord, in keeping with all your righteous acts, turn away your anger and your wrath from Jerusalem, your city, your holy hill. Our sins and the iniquities of our fathers have made Jerusalem and your people an object of scorn to all those around us. Now, our God, hear the prayers and petitions of your servant. For your sake, O Lord, look with favour on your, on your desolate sanctuary. Give ear, O God, and hear. Open your eyes and see the desolation of the city that bears your name. We do not make requests of you because we are righteous, but because of your great mercy. O Lord, listen. O Lord, forgive. O Lord, hear and act. For your sake, O my God, do not delay because your city and your people bear your name. Thank you so much, Pam. You see, Daniel's prayer life, it was based on 
five key things. I'm just going to go through them quickly and it will help us to learn how we can have our journey in prayer with God. The first one was this. Journeying in prayer means living in scripture. Prayer fits hand in hand with reading the Bible. Just like a train running down a train track needs both rails, so does prayer and the Bible. Both rails to journey with God. In verse 2 it says that he was reading Jeremiah. And Jeremiah wrote several decades before uh, Daniel was alive. And Daniel had no doubt that this was God's word. Daniel, it says this in verse 2, I, Daniel, understood from the scriptures according to the word of the Lord given to Jeremiah the prophet. He had no doubt that what Jeremiah wrote down was not just Jeremiah's prophecy, but it was God's word being breathed out and spoken through his prophet. And you know what? You can have confidence today that the Bible, though written by over 40 different authors over a, a period of 1,500 years, is God's word, living and active for you, that can speak to your life. Daniel knew scripture. He lived in it. He breathed in it. And do you know what? He didn't let the tricky passages get to him. We're certainly going to, we have come across tricky passages and we're going to get to a bit of a tricky bit later on in this chapter. But he didn't let that bother him. When he was reading Jeremiah, he was probably reading Jeremiah 25 or perhaps chapter 29. They both say similar things. Let me read chapter 29. It says this. This is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me. And when you seek me with all your heart, I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back from captivity. See, Daniel, he was reading scripture, grappling with all that it means. And he, he knows, he doesn't know what's going to come next. He doesn't know what's going to happen, but that doesn't stop him from reading it and coming before the living God, handling this scripture, hand in hand with his prayer. You know, it's important to have a, a prayer life that's based on scripture. If we just pray without God's word, then we'll end up going off on a tangent, praying to a mythical God that isn't really in the Bible. And if we just read God's word without prayer, then it ends up becoming a dry, dusty religion based on literature. And, and, and you know what? It's not living and active in our lives. We need both things. Prayer and the Bible, a continual conversation like the train track running down in our lives. We need both. Secondly, Journeying in prayer, it means having a kingdom perspective on our lives. In verse 3 it said this, So I turned to the Lord God and I pleaded with him in prayer and petition, in fasting and in sackcloth and ashes. Daniel sees the injustice of his people and he doesn't become proud or arrogant and puffed up. Instead, he takes off his fine clothes and he puts on sackcloth. He is humbling himself. That's what it means to turn to God. Verse 5 and, and verse 8, they show us that he repents on behalf of the nation. He repents for himself. He repents for the nation. He comes before God. And in verse 18, he says, We do not make requests to you because we are righteous, 
but because of your great mercy. He recognises that we are all sinful. And so he comes before God. He knows no one is perfect. He knows that from God's perspective, we have all sinned and all fallen short. And so he humbles himself and he comes before the living God and he repents. He repents for all that he's done wrong and his nation. You know, when we see injustice in our nation, when we see injustice around the world, when we see things that are going wrong, before we can do anything, we need to come humbly before our God with humility. Because we've all sinned and we've all messed up. And so we come and we repent. We repent for ourselves and repent on behalf of our nation, on behalf of our church, on behalf of the people groups that we belong to. And we come before the God who is full of mercy. Thirdly, journeying with prayer, it means trusting in God. 70 years his people have been in captivity. And he's heard the words of Jeremiah that we read earlier, but he doesn't sit back complacent and think, oh, well, you know, God said it, so therefore it's just going to happen. No, Daniel, he puts his faith into action. He trusts in God. Verse four, it says this, Lord, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love. When we remember God, the, who God is, when we remember that he is an awesome God, that he is sovereign, we start to put our trust in him. And when we dig deep into God and, and God and declare his covenant love, it reminds us of who it is that we're praying to, the one who is sovereign over everything and able to actually intervene and act on our behalf. To be honest with you, if God wasn't able to do that, and if he wasn't sovereign, then he wouldn't be worth praying to at all. Certainly, I wouldn't want to pray to a God that wasn't able to do anything about a situation. Daniel, he reminds himself who God is, awesome, a one who has a covenant of love and he puts his trust in him. That's what it means to journey in prayer. Fourthly, journeying in prayer means making requests. Verse 18, it says, you know, we do not make requests of you because we are righteous, but because of your great mercy. Lord, listen, Lord, forgive. Lord, hear and act. For your sake, my God, do not delay, because your city and your people bear your name. Daniel sees the injustice. Daniel sees his city in ruins. Daniel sees his nation crumbling. And having humbled himself, he declares, Lord, listen, forgive, hear and act. Jesus taught us to pray in the same way. To come before God, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. To declare how great he is and put our trust in him. And then most of the Lord's prayer is about asking for requests. Making requests. Forgive us and give us our bread. And, you know, it's asking requests of God. And Daniel does the same here. If you are a Christian, then you bear God's name. Little Christ. And it's on that basis that you are able to come before the living God and ask him for his great name to act and intercede on our behalf, to make a difference. We can come and make these requests to God. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins. Having faith in the real world, journeying with God, it does mean making requests. And we can do that from the God who loves us, who has his covenant of love and that we trust.
He is not a passive God sitting on the sidelines watching on the world events. But he's itching to get involved and loves being on the journey with us through it. As he sees us learning to grow in our trust with him, seeking him, asking him and pleading him on behalf of our people, our nations and our cities. Fifthly, journeying in prayer means having hope. While Daniel is still praying, God brings the answer. Let's hear the rest of the passage from Pat. While I was speaking and praying, confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel, and making my request to the Lord my God for his holy hill, while I was still in prayer, Gabriel, the man I had seen in the earlier vision, came to me in swift flight about the time of the evening sacrifice. He instructed me and said to me, Daniel, I have now come to give you insight and understanding. As soon as you begin to pray, an answer was given which I have come to tell you, for you are highly esteemed. Therefore, consider the message and understand the vision. Seventy sevens are decreed for your people and your holy city to finish transgression, to put an end to sin, to atone for wickedness, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up vision and prophesy and to anoint the most holy. Know and understand this. From the issuing of the decree, to restore and rebuild Jerusalem until the anointed one, the ruler, comes, there will be seven sevens and sixty-two sevens. It will be rebuilt with streets and a trench, but in times of trouble. After the sixty-two sevens, the anointed one will be cut off and will have nothing. The people of the ruler who will come will destroy the city and the sanctuary. The end will come like a flood. War will continue until the end, and desolations have been decreed. He will confirm a covenant with many for one seven. In the middle of the seven, he will put an end to sacrifice and offering, and on a wing of the temple, he will set up an abomination that causes desolation until the end that is decreed is poured out on him. Okay, so this is a little bit tricky. But as we mentioned earlier, Daniel, he wasn't phased by grappling with tricky scripture. He, he dug it in anyway and continued to pray. So Daniel is praying and looking for hope. He's praying for the injustice to cease on his nation. And now that it's come to the end of this 70 years that was previously prophesied, he prays. And the angel comes to him and says, do you know what? Actually, all of this is ultimately going to be restored, not at the end of these 70 years, but in 70 times 7 years. That's 490 years. Now, there is much debate about this whole time period, and it's quite complicated. In verse 25, we know that it starts when the, the decree is issued that Jerusalem can go to be restored. We also know that there's a period from the passage of 49 years, followed by 62 sevens. And then after all of that, there's then seven years. And lots of people have tried to put all this together and there's different interpretations. One is that when you take into account Nehemiah's instruction to go and rebuild the walls and the fact that 
the Jewish calendar had 360 days instead of 365 days, that the end of that period actually ends on Passover day, AD 33. And that is remarkable because that's exactly when the anointed one was killed and had nothing, which is what the passage says. It then goes on to say that there will be another seven years and when you look seven years after AD 33, well, nothing really remarkable happens. So what are we meant to do with this? Well, I think the most important thing is that we remember that apocalyptic writing uses symbols and numbers have symbols to us and meaning as well. The number seven means perfect completion. And so, and so does the number 10, actually. So when the angel comes to Daniel and Daniel's praying for this end to come and the angel says, do you know what is ultimately going to happen in 10 times 7 times 7? He is saying that God will make it happen in his perfect, perfect, perfect timing. And so Daniel can have hope that God will do something in the future where all restoration and 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 everything will be made new and right and be restored to what it's meant to be. But in this moment now, he is meant to come before God in prayer. Prayer for his nation, prayer for his people group, prayer for the injustice that he finds around him. Just like Jesus encouraged us to pray, pray, um, would your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven? And that is what we are called to do as well. We're meant to trust that God's timing, his perfect, perfect, perfect timing will bring about all restoration and no more suffering, death, decay or disease. And that will happen when Jesus returns and God knows that timing. But in the meanwhile, we're meant to pray, God, will your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So when you see sickness in your homes or in our streets, then we're called to pray, Lord, will your kingdom come? Knowing that when Jesus returns, he will ultimately bring all restoration to sickness and all will be made new. And when we see poor behaviour from our, our colleagues or others, then we pray, Lord, will, you, will your kingdom come? Ultimately knowing that the God, the judge of heaven will come and, put, and bring justice when he returns. When we see brothers or sisters facing hard trials, then we come and we, we pray, Lord, your kingdom come, knowing ultimately what they need is Jesus and his perfect peace and hope can be found in them. And you know what, like Daniel, when we see injustice, when we see people, men and women dying in our streets at the hands of other people, then what we do is we come and we pray. We pray, Lord, will your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven, knowing that there will be a day when Jesus returns and all nations and all tribes and all languages will bow down at the name of Jesus and declare, Jesus is King. He is Lord of Lords and he is the only one to be worshipped. Daniel, he prayed for the restoration of his people. He prayed that God would come and change all that was going on amongst them and you know what God sent his angel and the angel also says in the passage he says as soon as Daniel started to pray he sent out a word do you know what it's almost as if Daniel went down to pray and said dear father and God said yep 
I've done it. I'm going to do it. I've got it. It's all covered. I'm there. I'm with you. I'm never going to leave you or forsake you. And yes, it might. It wasn't. It didn't happen in Daniel's time. He didn't see the restoration of Jerusalem. And do you know what? It might not happen in our time. But there will be a time where God will come and bring all things new. He will bring perfection. And, you know, all will stand together as equals, worshipping the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Daniel journeyed in prayer with God day by day. That meant living in scripture. It meant having kingdom perspective. That's humility before God. It meant trusting in God. And it meant making requests to God, coming to God with our requests, our petitions and our prayers. And it meant having hope. The prayer life meant that his prayer life meant that, you know what, he was able to be one of the most faithful people we can read about in the Bible. And he was able to walk this earth and he spoke up for injustice. He was able to stand for the one true God. He was able to have a faith, be faithful in his work life, be diligent in his study. And he inspired people. And do you know what? Although he never saw the release of his people, he always had hope. And step one was prayer. Having a journey of prayer, a living conversation day by day with God. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we also forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you that you are an awesome God, that you have the whole world in your hands. Thank you, Lord God, that far from being a distant, far off God, you are with us, walking through the journey of life every step of the way. And I thank you, Lord God, that, yeah, far from being passive, you're itching to get involved. And so I pray, Lord God, would you help us come to you on our knees in humility. Lord, we, we ask, would you forgive us our sins? We pray, Lord God, would you forgive us for the things that we do wrong? I pray, Heavenly Father, help us to look into our own lives where we are sinful and we do horrendous things. Lord, I pray and think horrendous thoughts. I pray, would you forgive us? And Lord, as we do, Lord, I pray, would you... Act, Lord God, in this world, not because we are righteous, but because you are merciful, God. And so we just ask you, Heavenly Father, bring your Holy Spirit, breathe, Lord God, throughout our land, throughout our lives, throughout our nations, Lord God. And I pray, would you bring your peace and your presence that surpasses all understanding. Help us, Lord God, to know you in this season. And Lord God, out of our prayer life, help us, Lord God, to speak for the voiceless, to bring hope to the hopeless and to bring help to the helpless. Lord, fill us with your presence, I pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. We're meeting online every Sunday at 10am. Head to hopechurchguildford.com for more information. We look forward to seeing you.